Hello, what's up? Welcome to Things Like That, a space created for us to talk about anything and question everything without forcing you to believe what I believe. No topic is off the table, so get ready for rambles about wellness, mental health, plant medicine, spirituality, and other things like that. I'm so excited to welcome you into this space. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Things Like That. I'm your host, Allie Leiberts, and I'm very excited for today's episode. It doesn't really have a specific topic. Um, it's just a super special, cool person um, that I just feel always connected with, and she was actually someone I had on my dream list of podcast guests, and I am so excited to have her today. So, Hannah, I will have you introduce yourself. All right. Hello. So happy to be here. My name is Hannah Greenwood. I am almost 21 years old, and I am a wife and a mother, too. Um, I've got all sorts of little tricks up my sleeve that I hope we get to talk about today. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is something I was so excited to have you on for is because you're not just one thing many you have many things going on um and i know you just have so much to talk about and so many opinions and thoughts on things so i'm ready to dive into that today um but something i really want to start with is that i know we went to the same church for a little bit growing up and just seeing your kind of evolution since then i just kind of want to hear your story of how you've grown over the last few years I am happy to share. I honestly don't get many opportunities to share this stuff. I, I have a lot of people from church still on social media, more because I can't delete them. <laughs> I, I just, there's part of me that doesn't want to do that. Um, of course. But yeah, basically we grew up at the same church, but I've been going since I was a kid. Um, my parents had me while they were going to the church. So I was raised in, share the name. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I was raised in the church, and they had me in choir and the drum. An early, early age, um, probably by age ten, I was I was actively in pretty much everything the church had to offer except sports. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good for a while. I I did I did enjoy it, but um, I think there was I think it was probably around ten years that I was like, okay, I don't really click with everything. Right. And I remember just being super, super quiet about it. I don't think I ever shared any of my differing thoughts with anybody. Mm -hmm. um, just because there's so much shame if you go against what your church stands for. So I kept a lot private. And therefore, a lot of people thought that I changed entirely when I started getting more vocal about stuff that I believed in. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, we I had all that happen. And then... Um, into like teenage years I lost so many friends um, they found out that I was having sex and that I wasn't pure mm -hmm. anymore and all this other stuff so essentially I think they they saw me as an entirely different person when in reality I'd been the same person I just never shared anything um, but yeah I lost those friends and then ended up getting married moved out of the state and yeah ever since then I've I've kind of been on my journey of like deconstructing a little bit and just learning who I am I mean I, I had been told my identity my entire life in the church and mm -hmm. when I when I sort of left which I won't say that I've left the church 
faith, but um, mm-hmm. it's religion based anymore. For me, it's more of a relationship type thing. Yes. So that's that's where I'm at. But I've been on my own little journey, and I'm I'm really excited to dive a little bit more into it. Yes, and I think that was my favorite thing was just kind of seeing you blossom on social media over time. Um, and one of the first things I remember you really talking about was your mental health. And you were probably one of the first people that I really saw on social media talking about their mental health, like openly enough to where I could relate to it. And I didn't feel as alone. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your mental health journey over time? Absolutely. Um, that's definitely one of the things that I was, I don't know. I don't think I was ridiculed for it, like in the church and stuff, but um it was it was out of the norm to be open yes. about stuff as young as I was. Um, I I think I noticed that I was I was developing a mild depression probably around the age of thirteen. Mm-hmm. I remember telling my friends like, "Hey, I think I have mild depression." <laughs> like I I googled, mm-hmm. I self diagnosed. Um, I remember telling them that, and then that was that for a couple of years. I didn't really open up about it um, until I was about fifteen. I I started really struggling with anxiety and depression. Um, and I ended up, you know, having panic attacks and the whole, the whole shebang, basically. Um, I struggled with that for quite a while, went on and off medication. Um, and, you know, since then I've become a mother, I've dealt with the hormonal changes of pregnancy and birth. I've dealt with the postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety and OCD. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it hasn't been easy for me and they, like doctors had always said that when you're pregnant, you know, you have a higher chance of developing with the history of depression and anxiety so it's been it's definitely been like half of my life that I've been battling with this stuff um but I'm always happy to speak about it I I really want to share awareness because there's so many people that think there's something wrong with them and I -hmm. hate to say that it's another variation of normal but it is I mean it really is yeah that's that's the way that I feel for sure do you feel like sharing about it more openly has kind of helped you in your healing journey and just like accepting it yourself? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's constantly talking to myself. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm constantly like, okay, if somebody had to ask me, this is exactly how I would share it. Um, right. Yeah, I, I've, I've really enjoyed sharing about it. I had a blog for a while um, that I would, I would post pretty regularly on. Um, and that that definitely helped. I had so many so many other teenagers reach out to me at the time that were like, "Hey, you know, I don't really talk about this. Um, my parents don't want me to talk about this stuff." And helpful for other kids my age at the time when I started this mm-hmm. blog, and it's helpful for adults, especially moms. They, you know, they they come to me after having a baby, and yo, what what is considered baby blues versus postpartum right. depression? I'm like, well, if it's lasting, if it's lasting a while and you feel this way, this way and this way, you know, you have postpartum depression and they don't talk about it as much. Providers and um, OBGYNs, they don't prepare moms enough for what could potentially happen. So I'm more than happy to be open about it on social media. Yes, I'm so excited to talk a little bit more about your doula journey later, just because I know you have such a passion for moms and options during birth and all of that um but I first want to talk about because I'm kind of in the mindset of wanting to become a mom soon as well and as someone who also struggled with mental health prior 
how did you go into motherhood knowing that your mental health could possibly be affected more um, as you started, you know, trying to have a baby? Um, well, I will say, you know, my, my story is definitely not conventional. I was my age and circumstances for, you know, being a couple and everything. They're a little bit different than I would recommend for anybody else. I got married mm-hmm. at 17. I had, I got pregnant at the end of 17 and, um, had my baby when I was 18. I, I do consider myself to be mature and I was mature for my age, but I definitely don't think I thought things through enough or had as mm. much of a support system. Um, we were across the country in California. Uh, all of our family was here in Florida. So I struggled pretty greatly without that support system. And that's something that I would have done differently for sure. It's just to make sure that I had a solid group of people that would check on me. Right. Um, and that's something that I lacked. But otherwise, knowing the possibility that I'd struggle was helpful in and of itself. Um, I did seek out therapy. I did not go on medication during my early my early postpartum struggles with my first baby. Um, I wish I would have. That's something mm-hmm. that I'm very open about with any expecting mothers. They, you know, to be mindful of it and not be scared to get on those meds if you need them because it can hit hard. So, yeah, that's something they don't really warn you about. Yeah, I think um, something I'm loving about just like the upcoming generation is that I see moms being more open and honest about their experience. And I feel like sometimes things can be kind of dulled down, like just as baby blues, and it can be so much more. So thank you for being open about that. Um, Of course. Aside from a strong support system, what would be some words of wisdom or just something you'd speak to a new, possibly even young mom, just about how to get through the first, the first couple months? Um, I would definitely say just be gentle with yourself. You're learning your new self. You know, when a baby's born, it's not just the baby that is born. It's, it's a whole new you. And wow, that's it's, true. it's important to consider that, you know, you're learning yourself. You're learning this new body. Your hormones are all over the place. And being gentle with yourself through that as you navigate those changes and then this whole other life you have to take care of is super, super important. There is no manual. There is no proper way to be a parent. So that's that's probably my, my most important thing is to just give yourself some grace and be gentle with yourself through all these different changes. For sure. Do you feel <laughs> like your journey as a mother is what led to your passion for being a doula or do you feel like it was already kind of there? It was definitely, um, as a teenager, I remember being, being like, oh, yeah, I know I want to be a mom. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing my first few birth videos that were just really, really positive. And I remember feeling how intense those emotions were and really being able to emphasize with these other people, you know, with these birthing families, being like, wow, you know, it, it seems euphoric to be in that space. It seems mm-hmm. to be so sacred. You know, I really, really loved that about birth before I even attended one or before I even really got into the work. And um, I, I was using doula and midwife very interchangeably at the time when I said mm-hmm. that I wanted to be one. Um, but when I became a mom, it for sure solidified that that was the career that I was meant to go into. Um, and I knew I knew a lot about doula work when I was pregnant with my first baby, but 
it really, you know, there was so much to learn at that point that after I had TV, my first child, um, we basically, I kind of went down the rabbit hole. I figured out how to certify. Um, I, I learned as much as I could and ended up hiring one myself with my second daughter this, oh, this wow. last year. So that's when I knew I was like, okay, you know, working alongside another doula trying to help me. I was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm internalizing these things. I'm seeing how I could help other clients. And there's so many disparities in the, the baby industry, I guess you could say. Um, right. For so many different groups and just any birthing parent in general, we have a lot going against us sometimes. So I saw the need and I wanted to serve. <laughs> I definitely want to get into some of your thoughts on the birthing industry. But before we tap into that, can you just kind of explain what a doula is and maybe the difference between a doula and a midwife? Because I still have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely. It's. I mean, honestly... That kind of came to me in the last two years when I finally cleared it up. Um, but doulas are essentially birth support. We support the mother and we support the partner. Um, we, we are not the clinical side of things. We aren't medical professionals. We are simply here to provide emotional, uh, physical, mental, and informational support. We're I love that. Uh, we're here to guide families to make informed decisions, um, whatever is best for them. You know, we're not here to push you one certain way if you want to be more holistic or if you're more traditional. Um, we're just here to provide a little bit of guidance on your journey to parenthood, basically. Fives are the clinical side. They are essentially OBGYNs, but not sections. That's the way that I kind of uh, describe it to people usually. Gotcha. But, yeah, I'm, they're the medical side. <laughs> I've already told John that, like, if we're in the States when I'm pregnant, like, I not only want you to be my doula, like I need you to be because I just like really feel your just I feel your empathy for mothers and like honoring that sacred space and making it as beautiful as it can be while also providing that information. That's what I've loved about your Instagram account is that you kind of have the balance between both, both the emotional side and the informational side. So I really love that. Thank you so much. That's it makes me it makes me so happy to hear that. I, I really just want to create a safe space for everybody that enters my page. You know, that comes across me a little bit. Um, there's so much that's when you become a new mom. Mm-hmm. And well, honestly, just becoming an adult. So Yeah. You know, it's it's important to hear these other perspectives. And I just, you know, I think we're not wrapped up in enough love in day-to-day life. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think doulas can compensate for that, but I'm just, you know, I'm trying to do my best. (laughs) I love it. Um, What is like, how do you kind of support the mother and the partner through that journey? What are kind of some of the main things you do? Um, So usually if a client signs on um, pretty early in their pregnancy, we'll have two prenatal visits where I'm either there in person with them or um, over Zoom or on call or whatever, um, we'll talk and I basically, we go over birth plans or their preferences per se, um, and all of their options, anything they want more questions on. And the partner is very involved in this as well. I, I enjoy the partner being involved because if it's a virtual client where I'm supporting them and I'm not there in person, the partner is basically like that's pretty much that's pretty much what's going on so I prepare them as much as possible to 
support mama, support the birthing person as best they can um, with comfort measures. And sometimes the dads do amazing. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they know mom best. They, they're able to give her the intimacy that a doula can't really. Um, so preparing them and teaching them not to be scared of birth mm. and just really embracing the whole process and knowing what to expect sets partners up beautifully to care for their wives or their their significant other. Yeah, I think that's so awesome that you include them too because I, and I'm not even a mom yet, and I just feel like there's still a stigma of like the partner like is almost either too scared to be involved or they feel like they don't really have a space because of all the stuff that the mother's going through. Um, so I really like that you kind of tie that all together and allow them to enjoy that sacred space as well. Definitely. And like the media doesn't do a really good job showing how helpful fathers can be in mm-hmm. birth situations. You know, they always just, they cut to mom screaming in pain and then the mm-hmm. dad standing there, or maybe they'll make him faint, you know? <laughs> Right. Like, that's not, I wouldn't say that's normal at all, you know? And I think it's important for them to have it modeled by a doula sometimes, you know, that this isn't scary, that you are your partner's rock, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, you can recenter them in the middle of all the surges of labor. And it's a really, really beautiful thing to see dads get their confidence and, you know, mm-hmm. feel like they're really helping while their partner goes through this. <laughs> Definitely. And I feel like, like one thing I'm excited for is to see my husband become a dad. And so I think seeing that process happen, even just through the pregnancy and like having a duel to support that just makes it even better. It's so beautiful and sacred. And I'm, I'm so excited for you to eventually experience it because it's, yes. it makes you more in love with your husband. <laughs> yes, definitely. How kind of was your experience um, with your pregnancies and I know how you said for your first um, child, you didn't have a midwife or doula. So kind of how was that experience and understanding your rights um, while giving birth and just kind of acclimating to the whole process? I'm happy to share. Um, (laughs) You know, this is this is all like my it's not necessarily my villain origin story, but my my first birth taught me a lot about my views and what I, you know, I wanted to see more of in the birth community and um it was pretty much it wasn't necessarily the opposite of my second birth but my my headspace was entirely different um first first birth with my daughter octavia we were out in california um in san diego we had a wonderful hospital wonderful team but i was struggling pretty bad with blood pressure issues and i was not eating Mm -hmm. well and it was just a whole it was a whole mess that definitely could have been prevented by proper nutrition and you know it was it was a whole mess <laughs> mm-hmm. but they had me on blood pressure medication from 20 weeks on they had suspected that I had preeclampsia midway through my pregnancy um, and we had a scary couple of days where they decided you know all right are we gonna induce you and you you know potentially lose your child or are you going to you know continue this pregnancy and maybe this isn't preeclampsia and the preeclampsia is essentially when your blood pressure is like incredibly high. You've got protein in your urine. It's a really scary thing and it can be fatal mm-hmm. for mom and baby. So that was our pregnancy. And it led me to want to do more research for myself, for sure. Um, we continued the rest of the 20 weeks of pregnancy. 
everything was fine. I didn't have any issues. Um, we got induced at the very end of my pregnancy due to suspected preeclampsia once again. Um, and, you know, in my defense, again, was not eating well, was not really taking care of myself in the way I should have been during my pregnancy. Um, you know, nobody had told me what could happen. Nobody had guide, guided me on um, nutrition and how it can impact your birth, basically. Right. Um, and we went into this induction and it was long. Um, it was it was just scary. You know, when, when things are in jeopardy and other people are kind of controlling your situation, it, it's mm-hmm. a scary thing. But we ended up getting an epidural. It caused us to tank a little bit. Our vitals kind of dropped. Um, and from then on, I was like, all right. So next baby, no epidural, (laughs) you know, kind of making a little checklist in my head. Um, And yeah, she was born, she was safe, she was healthy, she was perfect. Um, But it was amazing, you know, some details that I don't necessarily want to go into due to my Mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, birth can be a very, it's very intimate. And so if you have any prior sexual trauma or anything like that, it can be a triggering experience. Um. And that's why I advocated so hard for getting a doula this time, my my most recent pregnancy for sure. Um, it was it was a necessity after the first experience. Right. What do you feel like you looked for in a doula, and how can women know like to find a doula that works for them? Um, clicked with the first one that I met with from myself. Um, but I would say when you're looking for a doula, look for somebody that doesn't necessarily seem super biased, um, unless you are leaning more towards one side of mm. the spectrum of birth. You know, that's that's perfectly OK. Um, but it's, it's important for a lot of new moms to get all the options. So I would say, you know, an unbiased, truly informational doula, um, somebody that really you click with and they seem super, super compassionate. Um, you know, there's. There's the time and place for every duel. I think some are more passive aggressive, like myself. <laughs> would be more aggressive with providers or just, you know, sometimes that's what you need if you're birthing in a place that isn't supportive of your wishes. Um, but really, that's where the first, like, interview, kind of a make or break type thing. You decide if they're the one for you. Right. Um, I believe there's a doula for everybody, for sure. So it's important to interview them before actually hiring them. Um, and that's usually complimentary. They won't make you pay for that. Um, you meet them or Zoom with them or whatever and just see if you vibe. Yeah, I love that. And I think it also allows you to kind of have that autonomy over your situation, which some birth stories I've read is hard to come by. Um, and a question I've always had is I've seen a lot of people talk about birthing on your back um and as a doula and as you learn more what are your thoughts on like being forced to birth laying on your back yeah I I think um providers don't make it seem like like moms have an option usually Mm -hmm. you know again the media has shown us that um you know women birth on their backs in a hospital bed with the stirrups in the air Mm-hmm. you know like everybody screaming there, bloody murder <laughs> big old spotlight on your hoo-ha you know like that's, that's what's going on um and it tends to be that way unless you know better so doulas are like we're the queens of positioning and mm. knowing what physiologically works for your body um that's a big thing it's just working with your body so 
I call BS on making everybody push on their back. It's not necessary. <laughs> um, right. It can be in some situations. It happens a lot with moms that have epidurals that don't have full mobility. They just end up pushing on their backs. Um, and then sometimes it is important for them to be able to see everything very clearly in more emergent situations or if they have mm-hmm. to use instruments to deliver the baby like vacuum or forceps. Um those things, you know, it's important to have mom on her back, but realistically, gravity's your best friend when you're pushing out a baby. So right. standing, hands and knees, you know, you can manipulate a hospital bed so much um, and you really use it to your advantage. So just embracing the physiology of birth is really the big thing. Definitely. So do you feel like knowledge can definitely be power in birth? Absolutely. Or- Right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, you're fine. Yeah, it's super, super important. And, and that's what I'm I'm really passionate about in this work is that a lot of the prep happens while you're pregnant. It shouldn't happen mm. the day you're giving birth. This should be like a couple months of work and knowledge and really not having to worry about anything because you're so at peace with all of the outcomes. Right. You know, it's I, I wouldn't expect clients to go into every single situation and be like, all right, cool. You know, I know what's going to happen. We're going to have a perfectly normal delivery. Like it doesn't always happen. Um, so being educated on everything that could happen and, you know, the ways to prepare for it mentally are the biggest part of the battle. For sure. Definitely. It's a mental game. Do, so with that, do you um, are you a fan of birth plans as well? Oh, big time. I mean, not as I use the word preferences more often. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, I, I have this big, my, my clients would know, I have this big Mac Daddy um, like birth plan sheet that has pretty much everything you could possibly think of. It's honestly a little bit too much information, but it's important for everybody to know their options. So I give them this big old sheet and they tell me what they have questions on. Um, what they you know absolutely don't want you know we condense it into a easy to understand list for their providers um i recommend i recommend they give them to their providers at like 36 weeks or just have it in their chart right um, so that there's no question about what the client wants um and usually you know it's important to have on hand at the birth give it to all your nurses um but that's where the partner can come in too they really advocate for birth plans you know they they tell the nurses what they do and don't want for their their partner um and that's that's really really helpful I love that word preferences because like as me an anxious person like plan can sound so scary like if it doesn't go this way I'm gonna freak out so I kind of love that flexibility (laughs) of preferences and still understanding your options but understanding it could go a totally different way yeah, well, you you mentioned in, I think, the first or second episode of this podcast, you mentioned integrative medicine. Yes. That's what I'm all here for. You know, there's a time and place for all of these interventions, but I want my clients to know when those times and places are. Of <laughs> course. Know, to just fully expect those or, you know, you, there has to be some flexibility in birth because it is unexpected. Um, it, it's not predictable. It is to a certain extent in a normal situation, but special circumstances can always occur. So it's just, it's good to be prepared for whatever. Of course. Have you um, assisted in a birth yet? Like, have you had that experience yet? 
I currently have two clients. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I have not actually been in person at anybody's birth yet because I've, I've been pregnant this last year. It's yes. COVID, you know, we moved, we moved back home from California. So I'm really just setting up my roots right now, but I'm, I'm so excited. You know, I, I've talked through a lot of births with other moms over the last year and, you know, I've, I've been sort of virtual support but I haven't really been able to dig my feet in yet. So I'm, I'm really excited. And I love um, something that you wrote on your page of how you'll have your youngest daughter with you. And I just think that shows just how powerful mothers are. <laughs> like oh, yeah. <laughs> assisting in someone else's birth with your baby with you. How has it been kind of balancing being a mother and starting this new doula journey? It's definitely been challenging. I mean, I'm I'm still so new into it, even though I've had the passion for a long time. Um, this business side of it has been a totally new thing for me this last year. Um, but it, I mean, it's been a lot to juggle. There's a certain aspect of it that's challenging, and that would be childcare for me. Um, mm-hmm. I can't take on any and every birth. That's, I have to be very selective um, because I don't really have too many options to take care of my girls. So right. things have to be sort of planable if if that's even a use for birth. Um, but yeah, that's that's my biggest challenge. I'm really enjoying it, though. It's it's kind of given me something else aside from motherhood. And I think a lot of other moms struggle with that. Yeah. Do you feel like it kind of helps you remember, like, who Hannah is outside of just being a mom? Oh, definitely. Um, it's It's easy to forget. You know, that's that's another piece of advice I'd, I'd give to any new mothers or anybody expecting babies is that, you know, keep those other interests alive. I, I kind of had to put this on the back burner when I got pregnant the first time, you know, with my mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of been on hold, but something that I've loved for years. I wish I wouldn't have, you know, made myself wait. Please. My kid's breaking in right now. <laughs> <laughs> so cute she's gotten so big like I can't believe she's already what two years old yep she just turned two a couple weeks ago how has it been becoming a mother of two? Oh, it's it's something <laughs> <laughs> the girls are um two under two so they're 20 months apart right now wow um, it is definitely a challenge they're on two entirely different developmental like <laughs> um, developmental standpoints. Tavy is a full-blown toddler, and Zena is just now crawling. And wow, you know, she's babbling. It's amazing, though. You know, my heart's never been so full, but mm-hmm. it is a challenge. <laughs> did you exclusively breastfeed both babies? I did. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, just take a sip of my wine. You're all good. <laughs> wine, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I did ex- exclusively breastfeed both girls. I'm still breastfeeding my two-year-old. Um, she's tandem feeding with her little sister. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's wild. I mean, I, I really do love it. Um, it's been her comfort for two years, and I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be going away anytime soon. But it's it's a challenge. I'm honored to be able to do it, though, for sure. Definitely. How has... I mean, I see so much about breastfeeding and just on both sides of the spectrum, how has it been navigating people's negative stigma of even public breastfeeding? Um, I haven't dealt with it too, too much. <laughs> I have only recently dealt with any pushback online. Um, 
very done that. I've had somebody comment about um, being modest. That was the biggest thing. That was oh, the only wow. pushback I've ever had on it because, you know, as a woman, uh, there's not much being modest here. You know, I can try right. my hardest, but everything's going to look immodest to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the only pushback I've had. That's good. I I think it's, like, so beautiful that we're able to feed children for as long as they need. Um, can you go in a little deeper on how breastfeeding has been your daughter's comfort? Because um, I guess for me, I just know it as, like, a means of feeding. So how does that connection kind of get created between you two? Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it's beautiful to watch it really unfold um, from newborn to to now. But newborns, even in the beginning, it's not just nutrition. Um you know, with them recently coming out of your womb, you still smell like womb to them. So just your presence mm. in itself is incredibly comforting for a new baby. Um, you know, I think even some of the glands on the breast end up secreting a similar smell to amniotic fluid. Wow. So there's so, so many bonding chemicals right there at the beginning. Um, but, you know, it's not just nutrition. Sometimes they want to nurse when they're uncomfy those early days. Um, just nursing just to have you there, you know. Um, but even into toddlerhood, every time she's upset, or I wouldn't say every time, I, I have boundaries. Right. <laughs> I have boundaries now. Um, but, you know, if she's really upset about something and taking a while to calm down, she'll ask, you know. She'll she'll be like, boop. <laughs> That's so I'm cute. I'm like, okay, Tavia. <laughs> Go ahead. I can't say no to that. <laughs> wow. How... This is kind of my last question, but something that I'm excited to hear from you is how has having two daughters, like, what's that bond like being like a mother-daughter relationship and how has that kind of changed your view of yourself and just all the things of mother-daughter relationships? It's so special. Um, You know, I I had a a good relationship with my mom, but we've had a lot of healing. So. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of reflecting that healing that I've had with my own mother into the parenting that I'm doing for my girls. Wow. Um, you know, just really building them up to be these independent, these take no shit type of women. Um, I love it. And, you know, really, it's it's kind of funny, but it's like taking inventory of my own qualities and what I wish mm-hmm. they'd have. <laughs> like, right. Know, what I wish I would have had more of. So I'm really excited to be able to teach them to, you know, not be so passive on their views and, you know, not really be ashamed of anything that they are. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's huge for me as a mom of girls. But it's just so special. There's a bond like no other when you have daughters. Um and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. They are both so incredible in their own in their own ways, even though my youngest is five months old. It's it's beautiful watching them bloom um, and knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, it helps that. Yeah. Do you feel like raising daughters um, in a way that maybe things you missed out on or didn't have? Do you feel like that's almost been healing to you as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's even just conversations that are a little different than I'd heard growing up. Mm. Um, you know, I'm open with my two-year-old about her private parts and, mm. you know, being, I want her to be able to tell people no and, like, tell me exactly what's going on if something right. happened. You know, there's there's so much now and, like, so many more resources now that I feel very equipped and mm. is, is equipped as you could be. 
right parent in this day and age but I I do feel more and more prepared every single day you know it's it's not perfect it's not an exact science I have my low days for sure but I I do feel pretty prepared (laughs) thanks to thanks to all these other resources we have now definitely and all the mom blogs and even TikTok I see like parenting advice on there like there's so much out there oh yeah it's it's a whole community you know I'm I'm thankful that I have it because it would have been really isolating to spend my first year of parenthood out in California if I didn't have social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay, this will be my last question. How have you, since there's so much information out there, how have you kind of sifted through that and created a parenting style that like feels true to you and works with both your daughters? Yeah, um, and you know, I'm still fine-tuning that. I'm two years in, and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, views, my views have changed so much since my, my first positive pregnancy test. Um, but, you know, they, they have, like, m- moms that are, like, super hardcore into Montessori teaching, which is, mm-hmm. I believe, it's, like, child first. You know, there's no directed instruction. It's just them exploring and learning how to use the world. I could be entirely wrong. Um, but I've adopted some things from that. Right. You know, yeah, really, I've seen some of that. Yeah, like on on independence and um, really letting my oldest be her own person and know that mm-hmm. she has autonomy over her body. And, you know, she can do things for herself in a certain, you know, in her, her scope of toddlerhood. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I've blended a little bit of that. And then, you know, being interested in holistic wellness has been big, too. It's, it's determined some of my personal decisions for the girls. Um, and also, you know, I don't know where we're going to be with schooling, if I'm going to homeschool or if I'm going to do public school, you know, we'll see when we get there, but online has been super helpful for that too. I don't know. I just, you see all these other parents, I've taken a little bit from each one, you know, things that I really like, things that I wouldn't want to do with my kids. You know, it's, it's really, it's going to ever evolve. I I know I'm not going to have similar, I'm going to have similar views in the next year, but they're definitely going to shift. I just know it. <laughs> right. So more like being open to, you know, needing to change and tweak things is really important. I think it's so important because your kid, when they're a baby, you know, they're a baby. <laughs> yeah. And then they become a toddler and they're this own little being that has, you know, they're expressing their feelings to you and it's up to you on how you're wanting to handle that um, and wanting to acknowledge them. You know, some parents, they don't, they don't give as much power to the kids um, mm-hmm. and, you know, to each their own, but I, I've really enjoyed just learning my own little style over these last couple of years. I love that. Thank you so much for being so open and honest and answering all my questions because I love asking, especially holistic moms, all their parenting stuff. Um, I've loved seeing you grow on Instagram and I'm just so glad you were here today. Um, if you could, say your Instagram handles, especially your Yula one. Um, we can definitely share those and I'll post it on my page as well. Awesome. My main Instagram is Hannah F. Greenwood um, and my Doula Instagram is Endless Love Doula. And both of those I'm pretty active on. So if anybody wants to check me out, anybody wants to hire yes. me, I'm available. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I will definitely. Space. 
I'm sorry. Oh, of course. No, I'm so happy to have you in this space. I was literally like fangirling before. I'm just like, I know the energy is going to be so good. And just thank you so much for coming on. Of course. I'm sorry for word vomiting so much, but it has been just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, I'll definitely have to have you on again because I feel like there's so many other topics we could dive into. Um, so be prepared for a DM from me. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you. Of course. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much again. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. If you enjoyed today's conversation, feel free to rate and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. I would seriously love to hear your feedback. Also check out things like that on Instagram and hang out in my stories and my DMs to share the topics you want to hear about. Anything goes here, so share your ideas, and I will see you next week.